0: Hi everyone, this is Sonal Verma back again with an interesting podcast episode of ESG Decibels. This time we have got Roma Balwani, a senior women leader in corporate India, who is currently senior advisor, Vedanta Group, a role encompasses advising on a robust brand strategy for the group, which has focus on giving back to communities and society at large. And as a natural resource major, contributing towards nation building that will help in economic development of our country and position one Vedanta brand to diverse stakeholders across India and globally. She is also an independent director of John Cockerell, India, formerly CMI FPE Limited, the Indian hub of JCIA, Industry Metals Vertical Which is the world leader in the conception, manufacture, and installation of reversible cold rolling mills headquartered in Belgium. In the past, she has been in the position of an EVP in the chief communication office of Mahindra Group also. At Vedanta, her key portfolios included sustainable development, brand management, stakeholder engagement, and group communication to promote. Vedanta's position as a purpose-driven organization. In this enabling role, Roma aligned the group's communication strategy and sustainable development strategy in a socially responsible, ethical, and environmental-friendly manner that positively impacts and improves the quality of life of the communities. She personally believes in giving back. She is actively associated with disability cricket and promotes deaf cricket as an enabler to instill a sense of pride and purpose for the hearing-impaired youth with a sporting talent. She speaks at several summits on brand, sustainable development, and communications. In over 30 years of experience, she has won several Indian and international awards and accolades. She is the recipient of the Exchange for Media Lifetime Achievement Award 2020 and PRCI Lifetime Achievement Award 2018. Roma has the distinction of being included in the PR Week Global Power Book 2015 Southeast Asia. For the last seven years at Vedanta, Roma has been recognized as amongst the most important and influential in-house communicators, from around the world by the Holmes Global Reports Influence 100, now Provoke Media from 2015 to 2021. This podcast is in no way to be construed time solicitation for the firm. The podcast is focused to connect our audience with voices of ESG leaders. So here we have. Uh, <laughs> Ms. Roma Balwani with us and uh, getting to a very important uh, question which our listeners uh, in India and globally would like to hear her view is Roma what would be your views on uh, DEI diversity equality and inclusion does the company get ROI return on investment from it or just uh, people are using it to fall in the bandwagon of ESG First of all, thank you so much for inviting
1: me. And I think these are very important topics in today's context. And you really touched upon a very, very important topic, which is DE&I. Normally, people talk about D and i but not many people call uh, look at DE&I in the same context. For me, as I see the experience uh, that I've had within the organizations that I worked with, all these three are non-negotiable. And these are companies which have taken these uh, into their uh, fold far earlier than many other companies have. Take Mahindra's, for example. I think we had our uh, diversity and, and inclusion council set up, I think this was in 2005. I'm not talking today. So you can imagine the kind of importance that is given by companies, Indian companies, I'm not even talking about international companies, who believe a lot in ethics, and they don't just believe in compliance, but they believe in governance. That is why they feel that all these are very important factors that influences uh, the brand or influences the organization's reputation.
0: That's, I would say, uh, great for all our global listeners that, yes, Indian companies like Mahendra, you quoted, doing a fab job as a part of uh, a framework, which is very good. Any particular aspect on DEI you would love to further elaborate, Roma? Certainly.
1: I think for us to understand that it is all about celebrating differences. Equity definitely brings equal opportunities, and that is for one and all. Inclusion brings in a sense of belonging, because that sense of belonging makes you committed to the organization in the long term. And I've always seen that our human resources teams play a very vital role in how the the employee's career growth progresses, what is the life cycle of that that employee in the company. For that, all of us are uh, torchbearers of certain tenets of inclusion, as we are part of the top management, that should be uh, definitely mainstreamed in other organizations as well, as I've seen in the two or three organizations that I have worked long-term, whether it was Aptech, being a technology education company, whether it was Larson and Chubro, where I started my career, or uh, Mahindra's, as I mentioned, or Vedanta of today, Vedanta resources of today, where I think women leaders have taken uh, a lead in, in looking at a sector which is mining and mining normally is more uh, uh, a sector that men would be more comfortable with manufacturing, but you would be surprised to see women leaders there as well. But the pillars of inclusion that really work for any organization are very simple. I think you have to create access feeling of creating a welcoming and safe environment. Definitely attitude plays a large role how people can feel comfortable to embrace diversity and inclusion what are the choices that are given to enable the employees to fit in in the company and its culture and you must understand that for a global organization uh, which is possibly india based for example for mahindra i still remember when we were doing the mahindra rise uh, exercise and we wanted to create a purpose for the organization The first time when the organization was set up, the purpose of the organization was that Indians are second to none, right? Now the organization has evolved, become a global organization. Tell me why a Chinese or a a Bangladeshi or an American would would want to identify with that kind of uh, purpose. So we had to evolve that purpose, which should really uh, look at a global mindset, and I think that is very important for people to understand how cultures evolve in a global context, even though it's an Indian company with a global footprint. I think that is something I learned very early in that organization when we were doing the Mahindra Rise rebranding. So I think the choices that you give to the employees, how do they commit to your organization really comes or stems from the a purpose of the organization. And when you evolve a very strong purpose, which binds everybody, that is that thread, which creates that cultural bond amongst the employees. And there is no Uh, boundaries to it. There are no global boundaries to it. You are living in a global village. I think that is a a very important
0: aspect. No, no, it's a very right take. In fact, two very key words which you came on DEI, which for all our listeners is important that it's non-negotiable and the purpose part which you just talked MS Balwani about. I think that uh, it's just a, a great case study which you mm-hmm. talked about. You have been in women leadership roles for quite a time now in the industry and one of the most, uh, you say, uh, one of the great celebrated uh, women leaders. Thank you. <laughs> of great companies. Uh, women in leadership roles is much needed. Indian yes. companies, right from the exchanges, SEBI, everyone has accepted it. What would be your guidance now? on it for companies to have women on leadership? roles.
1: I think companies today look at women leaders as part of their top leadership because they realize the value they bring to the table. Today, you see that in India, at least there are regulations which help women leaders to become independent board members. I am one independent board member. I've been there for seven years as a professional who had the opportunity to become an independent uh, board member of a company which which had an Indian uh, listed company of a global company. It was a Belgian based company, a steel company, which was again in a sector where women are not very present but they did realize that a women director would be very important and what is the value she brings to the table. But for this, I think women also have to do their bit. They have to demonstrate many leadership traits that will speak for themselves because those are the traits that stand you apart and that helps you grow into a leadership or a, a CXO role. I think that is something they have to develop. So some of these leadership traits that I've seen, which can help every woman leader, a young woman leader as well, is to show or demonstrate commitment. Always speak up and challenge the status quo. Have the courage to take risks if you don't have the risk-taking ability, then you and you're risk averse, then you will not be appreciated for the input that you give on a, on a business discussion. So you have to have that risk-taking ability. And to, to add to that, what is to your advantage is the cultural intelligence that you bring, because you have the empathy, the compassion. To really understand the culture of the organization, to understand what makes the organization tick much more than what possibly a male counterpart would do, because he's busy possibly chasing numbers or the operational, uh, you know, responsibilities he has. But women can even take up that role. I'm not discounting that. But I'm saying that more importantly, there are many such roles that women take up so efficiently and contribute so effectively. And they should be given an opportunity and a freedom to handle difficult situations. If they're given that platform or an enabling environment, I think they will they will really excel in whatever chosen field, be it any sector. It doesn't mean that a woman should be only in, in certain sectors or they can be much more, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they are able to... That to you be have better. proven
0: yourself, Ms. Balwani. <laughs> you have been into say, uh, sectors which have not been known for lots of women participation, but you have done... A fab job in the uh, whole career span of yours.
1: I've had to work hard. Not that uh, there are any free lunches true, in true, life. True,
0: true, true, and true. you have
1: to learn that business. See, most of us don't realize that even if uh, we are not engineers or we are non-engineers, we should be able to understand the company that you are uh, going into what is it that they do? What is their business goals? If you don't understand that, then, then you can't really climb that ladder to to become a CXO,
0: right? True, very true. And I think uh, important takeaways for the uh, company, uh, senior management CEOs and uh, the promoters of companies, I think what you just said, women can take up any role in any industry. And, Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, that's very and and the company also has to play a role because they have to demonstrate the trust in their young leaders or women leaders and give them an enabling environment. If you give them that, you will get more women
0: into power. True, and I think that uh, diversity quotient very much needed. in Indian companies at a far more bigger scale than what at uh, today the representation of women in uh, senior management roles or leadership roles is?
1: Yes, but I think uh, India is progressing. Uh, There's a lot of initiatives that are being taken There's a lot of uh, curated uh, training that is being given to women so that they can adapt and adopt uh, leadership roles faster than what they would have done in the past. I think earlier in 2007, only 10% uh, would get that opportunity. Today, it's 50%. And I think that's very important.
0: Great statistics. That's great statistics. Coming to a very uh, important question, which comes... uh, uh, in with any management discussions uh, or uh, you say the grape wine in the industry, pay wage gaps of women in Indian companies does it exist? What would your advocacy be on it? Is it uh, their pay wage gaps uh, in companies Roma so yes, there are, and
1: universally. Oh what we learn from the current statistics is that women are earning 19% to 20% less than men. And these are global statistics.
0: And even in India, you would say we would be around the same
1: numbers? So there is a little difference in India because also there are certain cultural issues that India faces, compounded by the fact that uh, women earned less during the pandemic, even in India, that was true. And Mm -hmm. they had to leave the workforce due to societal pressures as as working mothers or caretakers when they were uh, impacted by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then they Mm -hmm. had to face disproportionate wage penalty as compared to men when they re-entered the workforce now. You are seeing that that kind of uh, impact happening to women who could have earned much more had they continued uh, throughout the pandemic in the roles that they were, but some of them had to give up those roles. And this is basically true for the uncontrolled gender pay gap. But with the controlled gender pay gap, with all skills and experience being equal, I think in India, there is now a lesser gap. You see many Indian women CEOs coming up as compared to what they were in the past. And maybe they are in certain industries. They may not be there in all industries. For example, take Vedanta, being a mining mm-hmm. company. There, right. there are many, many women uh, CXO level leaders who are doing very technical jobs as as head of departments. Now, for them to control, uh, uh, let's say, a team of 600 people in the shop floor when they are heading that that, uh, department, it's not an easy job. But culturally, we in India are accepting that, which is very different. Earlier, India could not even have imagined that you'll have a technically qualified leader, but she would still be at the second rung and never given uh, charge. But now she is being given charge. So I think it also in India depends on the sectors to some extent Mm -hmm. where they are prevalent, but there are also these new sectors where normally men would have dominated that space. Women are entering that very efficiently with their skills and with their leadership traits.
0: So paid wage gaps is a reality in Indian industry, what we can hear from. It is.
1: It is. It is. And do you think over the next
0: one decade, with all this ESG integration into companies, the situation would change?
1: I wouldn't say it's only ESG or DEI. It is all to do with the fact that India is blessed with 50% of women in their population. You must consider that very uh, carefully that today the workforce, the labor workforce is only earning one-third of the income in today's context, while they are 50% of the population. And and we know that we do have in the Constitution of India, you you all come from the legal background, that yeah. we do have Article 14, 16 and 39D, which gives uh, a, a right, a constitutional right for equal pay for equal work. Now, that needs to be enforced. That is something will really help. Uh, the women power to, to exercise their right. And it is not just diversity of women here that I'm talking about. It is of the kind of ethnic backgrounds they come from or the minorities that, that need to be recognized. I mean, today we are, we are celebrating a pride month. And why has that come to the forefront? Why does there be a need to talk about it? It was always, uh, you know, under the carpet. Today, it's all out there and people recognize and they they accept the diversity in that context as well. But if you come to uh, sustainability and ESG, I think we should look at that in a little different context. Because in the ESG context, what are we talking about? We are talking about the environment uh, criteria, which is the energy of a company, the energy a company consumes, which includes waste, it discharges, resources it needs, and like you mentioned earlier, the carbon emissions, climate change. But important today is the S, is the social criteria. I think that addresses the relationships companies have and the reputation it has built, which includes labor relations, diversity and inclusion, But many people tend to forget the G of the governance because a company has to have very robust internal systems of practices, controls, which it it helps them to govern themselves, right? And when they Mm -hmm. govern themselves... They are able to see what is the impact on environment and the consequences of living beings as a result. True. I think that is very important. Very Many thoughtful, people have very to understand that.
0: Very thoughtful, uh, Roma. Very uh, thought-provoking. Your points. We're very sure the listeners would be reflecting on uh, the aspects which you just talked about. What are your thoughts on the sustainability index? and thereafter companies going for esg ratings and all the talks around esg ratings in india your views on sustainability index would be very important to be heard by the listeners uh, today
1: i yeah. think sustainability index in its context has to be understood first and you have to develop your own sustainability maturity index to worthy of the uh, you know external indexes or rankings or ratings that you would be applying for. I think for that you have to go back and the leadership has to think that there is a connection of profits and purpose. Both of these are interlinked. And today you're seeing that the world uh, is concentrating on environmental social and governmental concerns which are becoming high priority even in india you're seeing that our uh, prime minister has announced that he we want the organize, uh, we want india to be uh, compliant to net zero by 2070 now that is a a task for a coal fired economy like ours is a herculean task but i'm sure that the way we are progressing on renewable energy on on electric vehicles every effort is being made in that direction now for that to sustain every company has to walk the talk and this definitely needs extraordinary leadership and extremely important is effective communication because if you cannot communicate that to all your stakeholders then you're not really doing justice to what you're doing within the organization, which is why I said, develop a sustainability maturity index, which is uh, customized to your organization and which is measurable in terms of its commitment, the strategy that you implement, the process improvements that you undertake and the business re-engineering has to happen. Because if you don't do business reengineering, you cannot report authentically. To report authentically, you have to change the way you're doing business. Once you get your ESG goals in place, then you put these sustainable commitments into action mode and then be very stra- uh, transparent with standardized evidence-based framework and especially for climate goals. I think that's very important. Then you engage in science-based emission reduction targets to help and convey uh, the, the progress that you have made. And you know that the pandemic has really accelerated digital transformation across the value chain. And this way, we can leverage digital to be able to do that transformation, accelerate that transformation, and and create a successful you know formula for sustainability let me let me just give you a simple example of the kind of stages that any organization should undertake all of us know that we have to be compliant every time you you get all these various uh, procedures within the organization the hsc procedures you have to follow that to make sure that you're living in a safe environment. That is, is, uh, again, non-negotiable. So you're meeting all the legal and policy requirement and you're monitoring all those issues that can emanate out of any organization's manufacturing uh, process or even a service process, process, Right. Now, if you are a compliant organization, then what is the next step that you should do is to look at being more efficient. So how the efficiency is going to translate is you're protecting and increasing your market share. You're also in a way uh, enhancing your brand value because now you're adhering to very strict standards. Your reporting becomes more authentic. Then you're looking at optimizing that but So that it increases your productivity, it boosts innovation, and then most important, it reduces cost and mitigates all the risks that you would have put into place because it's very important for measuring any of these uh, parameters, you have to understand the risk mitigation process and that becomes core to your sustainability index. And I think we we are in that uh, journey. Many organizations are striving to be compliant. Uh, smaller organizations find it difficult because they have never followed these norms. So that is where the gap lies. So we need to concentrate on those large uh, organizations which are small in, in, their, in their profitability, but need to really concentrate on that. So I think these are ways that if you develop your maturity uh, model, then you're going to be able to do justice to your sustainability journey. And uh, I could take a quick example of Vedanta that they had to really pivot from being known as a giving back, realigning their corporate social responsibility. What we did, we brought in compassionate communication, but then we had to focus on brand augmentation. You remember that Vedanta has its tagline called transforming elements. And we now moved. Because the focus on ESG, we changed that from transforming elements to transforming for good, which resonated with all stakeholders. So these are ways and means that also impact your brand and it helps you transform your workplace. It also helps you redefine your business uh, uh, responsibly and, and, and in a timely manner. And you're able to navigate in a very unfamiliar market and organizational dynamic, what we are seeing post-pandemic.
0: You're so, so on the point, uh, Ms. Balwani, that each company would have its own maturity journey in the sustainability index, which you just talked about. And without going from each step to the other and just uh, reaching the top of the mountain, doing a tick box, that wouldn't be the way. One has to take by step, move in this sustainability index, get more matured year over year, and definitely just by having a fancy ESG rating uh, coming from some institution doesn't mean that uh, the job is done. And it's a continuous journey on ESG. Thanks so much, uh, Ms. Roma Balwani, to be there with our listeners today in India and globally and lots of wisdom. things to be reflected upon. Thanks so much. Thank you for giving
1: me this opportunity and this reminds me of a familiar quote and this is not of an ESG experts quote but of Pete Seeger. He's a folk singer and a social activist and I can't uh, tell you how much this resonates with me. He says, if it can't be reduced, reused, repaired, rebuilt, refurbished, refinished, resold, recycled or composted, then it should be restricted, designed or removed from production. I think these are very simple uh, examples of what we should follow. And I think the world will be a
0: better place to live in. Wow. Thanks. Thanks for uh, ending today's podcast with such good uh, quotes. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you, everybody. And I hope your listeners enjoy my experience and what my take is on today's uh, situation post-pandemic and I hope you all enjoy it.